You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It is January 25th in the year 2020. This is the Wrestling Inc. podcast talking about Worlds Collide, NXT, and NXT UK coming together. Is this like Marvel versus DC? Is this more like Marvel's Secret Wars? Is this more like Crisis on Infinite Earths? Mm. What sort of crossover did we see tonight? Certainly not WCW versus WWF. I think it's a little bit more like when Ninja Turtles teamed up with Batman. Like, it's a little more niche, right? It's not so big stream. It's not like we're going to have the Superman fighting, you know, Captain America. It's like a little more inside baseball, I feel like. Yes, uh, NXT UK, and we will get into this and talk about the setup, uh, both what we loved about tonight, and there was a lot to love. This was actually a fantastic pay-per-view. From start to finish, every single match was essential. It felt important. It felt alive. Uh, Three hours pre-show, start to finish, right? I mean, this was condensed, wall-to-wall action. I'm Glenn Rubenstein, joined tonight by Michael Wiseman and Wrestling Inc.'s own Jesse Collings tonight to talk about NXT Worlds Collide 2020. Of course, the Royal Rumble is tomorrow night. This happened in Houston tonight, the night before the Rumble. Um, I want to go over the results. I want to talk about this. But let's talk a little about the build to tonight because I feel like the show itself was fantastic. The matches were fantastic. The results were very interesting. Uh, I think everything played out. But... uh, Michael, to you first, what did you think about the build to this since NXT now for the last five weeks has invested so heavily in building tonight's uh, show? It's a weird spot for me because you have this pay-per-view the night before Royal Rumble, so it's getting a spotlight, but also they're coming back for a takeover um, here in just a couple of weeks from now. I think it's, what, three weeks almost exactly? So, And and then, of course, they got the Dusty Rhodes Classic going on. So I feel like NXT has kind of crossed the streams in some ways right now, and I think it's reflected in the the ratings you see um, where not as much as – uh, not as much as focuses and put on kind of a consistent brand of storytelling, but I think for the pay-per-view we got, the build was what it needed to be. Um, but this feels like kind of a controlled, contained, one-off scenario, and I, I think the ratings have reflected how this build has been kind of scattershot all over the place. Jesse? Yeah, I kind of have a lot of questions now 
uh, after tonight, obviously we saw NXT UK get put over pretty strongly. It wasn't like they were just here to get a little showcase and they're going to go away. It seemed like that they were building something just by the results of the matches, something more long-term. And I assume with the takeover Portland coming up in a few weeks that we should see some crossover between the two, but it's, it's kind of unclear because it seemed like that before tonight, I would have probably said that NXT is going to go over strong and then NXT UK is going to go back and be NXT UK and it's kind of going to be over. But given how strongly NXT was put over, it seems to me that NXT UK might be around for a little bit longer uh, on NXT television on a week-to-week basis. Well, and again, I really feel like we have to preface this by saying that I, we're on agreement, right? This was an awesome show tonight. The matches yes. were fantastic. I thought the show was good. I didn't think it was great or particularly memorable. I thought it was mm. easy. I thought it was easy. I don't want to say like I'm knocking the show. I thought it was easy to watch. I thought most of the matches were pretty good. I thought a couple of the matches were really good. Um, but to me, it just didn't stand out as like a blow away show uh, quite to that degree. Well, NXT's problem is that every takeover is so fantastic. Yes. That fantastic becomes normal. This was a replacement for takeover. And I think if you were to compare this to maybe like the last eight takeovers or show, this would probably be on the weaker end of the spectrum. I don't know that it was, I don't think it was a replacement for takeover. I think this was a, we want to get the NXT stars out there in front of American audiences in a broader way for those who don't watch NXT UK week to week and maybe only check in for takeovers. Let's put this show on that spot because we're still going to have that takeover event here in a few weeks, right? And that's going to be a more traditional NXT heavy show. So I think this was their opportunity to say, let's get some big names on there highlight the UK and maybe that will carry back over to increased UK ratings, but also increased exposure for a lot of the talents on here. Uh, Rhea Ripley's around, obviously guys like Walter, the entire Imperium faction. I think this was their chance to really put them out there in front of the more generic WWE audience. Well, let me say this, that clearly the ratings for NXT each week on USA have proven that this is not a draw for the NXT on USA audience each week, especially coming off, of Survivor Series last year and the build to Rhea Ripley beating Shayna Baszler on uh, the real end of year show on December 18th on NXT. But there is a big difference between like, you know, with the build up Survivor Series, you had, I think, Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins. It's a big difference between those people showing up on NXT and what kind of viewership they can bring with them. Sure. And if, you know, Wolfgang and Mark Coffey are showing up. Except, except they NXT won uh, some ratings over AEW, correct me if I'm wrong, after Survivor Series with no Raw or SmackDown people showing up, purely the interest, especially in the women's division, after Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With Rhea Ripley headlining one of those shows, that was a surprise hit, right? Yeah. I, I You know, I, we talk about ratings here, and I know we don't talk about this show in particular, so I don't want to get too far away from that, but I think the bigger ratings issue here has been the weird... Uh, I, I think storytelling for NXT in 2020 has been inconsistent. I think NXT is a brand that people know and recognize, but AEW has been bringing some home run shows, right, for weeks now. And I think NXT got caught up in the rut of building this while advertising the Dusty Classic, while building the next TakeOver all at the same time. And I think that's just made the shows feel less consistent week to week and less uh, engaging, I think. Well, so I want to frame it this way as we jump into talking about it is uh, regardless of what you thought of the build this to this sure. time, we know people watch this podcast sometimes before they go back and watch the pay-per-view. Even if you think the build sucked to tonight, this was this is worth watching. Even yes. if you aren't invested in the stories 
and you were like, well, I felt like they kind of did a half-assed job with building this up. Watch the show tonight. I think you're going to be impressed for a three-hour pay-per-view. Jesse, maybe you agree with this. For three hours pre-show to trademark uh, you know, uh, World Wrestling Entertainment 2020, three hours. I mean, when's the last time we had something that was this short, sweet, and nothing but high points? I was happy that it started at 7. Look where yeah. it's at. It's nine forty-six East Coast time here. Uh, if this was t- tomorrow, I bet you're going to be, or you know, tomorrow night, it's going to probably be like eleven thirty when we're, the podcast oh, launches. Oh, we'll be well into February of twenty twenty-three <laughs> by the time the Royal Rumble ends tomorrow yeah. night. But uh, I think the other thing, and let, let's start. I want to. I, yeah. I, I just. I didn't dislike the show really. I just in in I agree with you guys. You hated it, is what I heard no, you say I, earlier. It was your least terrible. favorite show of the year. Garbage. I would rather watch. <laughs> Uh, I was trying to think of some yeah. heroes uh, of wrestling. Impact Wrestling yeah. run by. No, I, was say, I don't want to throw. I don't want to throw shade at another promotion, but uh, yeah. Oh, it's it's a, a past previous but, tenure leadership, right? But, yeah, but um, like it, it, this is a really easy show to watch. It, the the quality of matches was pretty high from start to finish. So if you just want to be entertained by quality wrestling, this is a good show to watch. I recommend watching it. I just I, I don't want to get it out of the way and saying like, oh, I hated the show or anything like that. It's almost like if this was like a Weezer, like if, if if all of NXT were Weezer albums, this would be like one of their cover albums. You know, that's kind of what it felt like. I wouldn't go that far. I would say that's maybe good. their cover albums are like legit good albums still. I was gonna say maybe it's like a Maladroit. Sure, it's not a Pinkerton, not the Blue album. Maybe the Green, uh, okay. but it's Maladroit quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I could get you with know that. Maladroit's a very good record. It's not like that Beverly Hills shit and make believe and everything that came out after. Oh man, I like that stuff too. Ooh, mm. really? Yeah. But like, do you like it on the same level that you like? Different, it's a little, first little poppier. It's a little poppier, but you know, I like poppier sometimes. Yes, nothing wrong with that. Let's talk about the pre-show. This match could have easily been on the main card tonight. Perhaps should have been Mia Yim versus NXT UK Champion Kaylee Ray. Uh, kicking off things here tonight with Kaylee Ray winning. Uh, Mia getting some great offense in, some great back and forth. Um, I think this actually was better than Rhea's match that she had later in the evening. Uh, Jesse, what did you think of this? I actually agree with you, Glenn. This match was pretty good. I, I was, I didn't know what to really expect out of it, but it ended up working pretty well. Um, the crowd wasn't into it at the start, but they did get into it at the end, and they reacted really well to the finish, which was Kaylee Ray using the ropes to kind of roll up Mia Yim. I thought both women looked really good as far as execution-wise in this match. I thought it, I don't want to say it overachieved, but it definitely is was a, one of the better pre-show matches you'll see in all of WWE this year. It was solid. Michael, what'd you think? I mean, yeah, you, you called it out here, Glenn. This this match, I thought, was the better of the two singles women's matches we had tonight. Um, obviously, I get why the other one was on the main card. Uh, but yeah, just a, a great opening contest here. So don't skip the pre-show like you might sometimes. And Kaylee Ray, I, God, just something really incredible going on with her. Um, 27 years old, but a uh, huge talent, huge upside. And I look forward to seeing more of her stateside in the coming years. It was good. Um, I think tomorrow night, I feel like the women got a little shorted tonight Mm -hmm. um, with this because NXT's women's division is, for me, I know for Matt Morgan, for many others, NXT's women's division is where it is at NXT week to week. It's what they do best. It felt like having this on the pre-show, Rhea versus Tony wasn't a particularly lengthy match. I'm hoping tomorrow night 
there's like seven women announced for the women's rumble tomorrow night at the Royal Rumble. I am hoping we're going to see at least 10 women from NXT make their presence felt there. I don't think we're going to see it on the men's side because I think they've announced like 26 entrants yeah. on the men's side. Uh, but I think on the women's side tomorrow night, I hope that the NXT women get a chance to shine because I felt like tonight they were a little stepped on. Yeah. Well, and you talk about the, I mean, them showing up at the Royal Rumble, only having seven women announced, you could do so much with that. But yeah, this is the absolute best NXT and even main roster, best women's division in professional wrestling right now because of the depth of it. I mean, we're talking about a pre-show match here that I think was very well received and shows some great upcoming young talent. Uh, you can put all these women together and mix them up in so many different ways. But uh, it's it's like whenever they were talking about making the knockouts division, their own own division, our own brand TV show back in like, 08, I think it was for uh, for Impact Wrestling. You could legit do that and have an NXT women's show all to itself just because of how well they've built up um, what's going on down there in NXT. And I think it's it hurts them because they only have one title in NXT. Technically, they do have the UK women's title too to kind of work in if they wanted to, but they only have the NXT women's championship or the NXT championship, right? That's what it's called now. Yeah. Um, they only have that one title to kind of build around. So when it comes to takeover, there's only like one necessary uh, women's match you need to get on the show, as opposed to the men's have the tag title and they have the North American championship. And obviously they have the men's world title. So I, I don't know if it means, you know, maybe adding a mid card title to the women's division. Cause I agree. They have a lot of talent in NXT in the women's division. And a lot of times they only get one match, maybe two on a takeover. If you count the pre-show. Well, uh, we'll see tonight. They further, they furthered the storyline with Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox. There was a attack spot with Dakota hitting Tegan or was it Tegan hitting Dakota? I apologize. I can't remember. Uh, I was in the crowd. It was cool. It's good. Uh, they built up Bianca versus Rhea, which is happening at takeover Portland, which is in uh, three weeks from mm -hmm. now. So they've got a lot going on in that next year women's division. And I think, uh, yeah, nothing but good stuff there. So let's talk about Finn Balor versus, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to mess this up. Ilya, Ilya, is it Ilya? Ilya, Ilya Dragunov. Ilya, Ilya, Ilya Dragunov. So I was calling him on Twitter, the big Dragoo. Um, <laughs> no, I think. Uh, Don't this, let Vince McMahon see that. We'll have Shorty G versus the big Dragoo. Oh, with... I was thinking what we'll talk about later. <laughs> Come on, Glenn. I, th I think Shorty D is uh, main roster bound with that moniker. Vince ever uh, gets a look at him. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. Uh, but this match tonight. I thought was really an interesting way. So uh, Ilya, right? Is that how you said it? Yep. Ilya, yeah. um, yeah. Dragunov. Uh, I people didn't seem that familiar with him. I think he's only had a little bit of exposure, at least stateside thus far, correct? But he's on NXT UK. Yeah, very yeah. little exposure stateside. I mean, I guess he's been at the at the UK shows that they've shown, but but I don't remember seeing him on any main roster like card like takeover event. Do you, Jesse? I kind of have like a rant about this match and how they used Ilya because you're right. You guys are right. He hasn't had a lot of exposure. Um, the fan, had, the crowd was dead for him. He, like, yes. he came out so, and nobody was like, well, so this like, was, this is argue. This is probably my least favorite part of the show because he, you, you guys are right. He has not had a lot of exposure on NXT. He hasn't had a lot of exposure, even on NXT UK. He hasn't appeared on any of the UK takeovers. So that makes him kind of a curious choice because there are a lot more, like, I guess, relevant people on the NXT UK brand as far as from what we've seen in America, whether it's the guys in Gallus or um, some of the other talents that we don't see here. And Ilya, for people who have seen him before he came to WWE, he is like 
an amazing white meat baby face. He's like Johnny Gargano a few years ago in NXT. He's like Bailey mm-hmm. when she was in NXT. He's just like a real natural baby face. He gets great reactions. He's been a huge star uh, in Germany first uh, and then in the UK Indies before being signed by WWE. He's like a great baby face and he comes out and not only is he's a heel, which is such an unnatural fit for him and nobody knows who he is because um, this is kind of a problem with NXT UK is that not a lot of people in America watch NXT UK. Yeah. And they're not, and maybe they watch the takeovers, but they don't watch the regular show. So they really didn't know who this guy was. And we saw that in this, the fatal four way too, where people didn't really care about Travis Banks and, um, Jordan Devlin all that much either. They cared about Mustache Mountain because we've seen them in the U.S. and they cared about Walter because we've seen him in the U.S. and we've seen him on NXT television. But for those other talent, they weren't really like super popular uh, to these American fans uh, in Houston. And so for me watching it and just seeing Ilya as a heel, as the crowd not caring about him, it was really like not a thrilling experience. The match was fine. Uh, the match and it was even good. The work is really good. They're both good workers. But for me, this was kind of disappointing to see him kind of in that position. I don't really know if they could have done anything better, but I just didn't feel like this was a winning position for him necessarily, other than for people to see him and be like, hey, this guy's, you know, kind of a good worker. But you didn't really see anything with him because he wasn't working as a babyface. Hmm. Well, he did lose to Cesaro at TakeOver UK Cardiff. So he has had... Uh, oh, he did. Okay. So he's had some exposure there. But I agree. I mean, th- I almost would have put this on the pre-show. They wouldn't have never done that to Finn. Uh, but here's where I wonder if NXT moving to USA is hurting NXT UK because um, I think a lot of people were watching them on the network back-to-back between NXT one hour and NXT UK one hour. Uh, now, if you're watching NXT on USA, I'll tell you, I don't fire up the WWE app to watch ever <laughs> uh i and i used to do it multiple times a week but between takeover and pay-per-views i would see other things that interested me now it's like okay pay-per-view that's the only time i uh open the app anymore so i think nxt uk has actually been the biggest victim of uh nxt moving to usa and that's now that i rationalize that that's probably why they've spent the last month trying um, to reestablish these trying guys. to reestablish it through USA which I think was a mistake from a ratings point yeah. of view. Yeah. Uh between actually you know what it's not that that was a mistake but that and the Dusty Classic together right. like ooh that's one or the other man but having And that's kind of my things, point earlier was like yeah they they did that that and they have a takeover in a month, right? Yeah. But if it, this was just business as usual build to the takeover, I think NXT sure. uh, TV would have been better. So that being said, they're clearly high on uh on Dragonoff but Finn won this match. Not that I thought Finn was going to lose, but man, it's like, I don't know. Uh, I know people like seeing Finn as a heel. I know the Prince Bauer thing is good. Um, I'm curious though, like what is his position? And Matt Morgan has said this before. Well, you can get somebody over. It doesn't mean that they have to go over for them to get over. They don't have to necessarily win the match. But I think in situations like uh, this, I don't know. I think uh, if they really wanted to put Dragonoff on the map, having him win this match wouldn't have been a bad idea. I think there was, I think there was also a problem with this. I mean, Finn, and they also made Finn look convincing in victory, right? So it wasn't just that he won. It was that they put over that he looked, it wasn't like a roll up. It was a very clear, decisive victory for Finn, which I think to your point, Glenn, he should absolutely have. But for me, the big problem with this match, and it was a good match. Um, crowd was not as into it, but problem with this match is that I think Elia, he's a fine competitor right now. 
he never struck me as being, oh my gosh, he is, I'm super high on him. He's doing all these great things. He was slower than Finn. Um, it took him a little bit longer to get into certain spots. I think Finn brings a certain energy and dynamic into these matches. And I think Elia, he did fine with Finn, but he there wasn't this magical chemistry you think you would expect. And so I don't really think it did Elia any favors. And also things like the con the contacts he was wearing some of his you know mannerisms felt very forced so i think there's more work to be done with him he's very young and obviously as an acumen for the business he, he's a, he, he's been studying it he's gone to school so um still a long time ahead of him to grow and i hope they develop him but that's my issue is i think Ilya just still feels a little bit a little bit too young i think to a degree Ilya was kind of um overwhelmed by finn's star power it in Ilya to like understand him, like you have to kind of know a lot about him and watch him. He doesn't physically, he did like just the way he physically looks, he's not going to be eye catching. He doesn't do a bunch of crazy cool moves. So you really do need to know, like you do need time to get to know him. And the fans don't have the time to know him. Cause we, like we said, he's had very little exposure uh, on NXT in the U S. So I think that was a problem. And just like Finn's such a big, much bigger star than him. Finn con- controlled most of the match. Finn goes over decisively. I, I mean, it's good that he got on television, but I just don't see what he gained really from tonight, other than maybe we're talking about him now. We wouldn't be if he wasn't on the show. Well, uh, Travoris Black in our chat is saying he used to watch NXT UK and NXT afterwards every week, but now it's too much wrestling to watch at this point. So in addition to that, we have uh, you know AEW, obviously, which is drawing eyeballs and drawing time. But here's the crazy thing that occurred to me tonight with this fatal four-way for the NXT Cruiserweight title. It's already the NXT Cruiserweight title. We had Isaiah Swerve Scott versus Travis Banks versus Jordan Devlin versus defending Angel Garza. Um, 205 Live is still on the air, right? Yeah. Okay. I How is that going to continue? Because if NXT UK is an afterthought, like an also ran at this point, like 205 Live, I just had to ask you if it's still airing. <laughs> like, So now the Cruiserweight title is going to be held by an NXT UK superstar. It's the NXT cruiserweight title there. I mean, literally WWE is uh, a victim of uh, their own success and own programming at this point. There's just so much. And then you throw an AEW and it's like, man, if you're not watching UK, it's like, how do you have the time? Who well, has N- the time to watch NX- NXT also went to two hours when they went to yeah. USA, right? So that's like an extra hour. So you got three hours of rock, two hours of SmackDown, then two hours of, NXT. So that's seven hours in total, right? I'm terrible at math, but that's seven. 205 Live, that's another hour. But but even before 205, like NXT UK is the, you know, the eighth most important hour of WWE television for most viewers. And that's just too much. No, I think WWE you... backstage is more important. Oh, that too. That too. You just got, <laughs> you guys, like, right? And wait till we get NXT, you know, the plan, right? We're going to have NXT Japan. We're going to have NXT Mexico. We're going to have NXT China. We're going to have NXT India. We're going to have NXT Africa. We're going to have NXT all over the world. We're going to have 14 NXTs on the network each week. So somewhere behind uh, uh, backstage, WWE Ride Along, uh, Table for Three, and look, WWE Swerved comes NXT UK and then 205 Live at the very Well, end. and so here's the thing about this, though, right? The WWE Network, the bread and butter of the network are the pro wrestling shows. And they've said this numerous times on conference calls that they have been surprised at the response they've gotten, but more people tune in. And I'm not just talking about pay-per-views. I am talking about NXT, NXT UK, and things like that. So uh, this the strategy to have, I mean, we're saying we got to watch all these main roster shows. we got to watch AEW. we got to watch blah, blah, blah. Some people just don't watch Raw or SmackDown every week, and they'll watch NXT UK. And so I think, you know, this idea they're going to build up this territory system with all these different brands is a smart one because also WWE is capitalizing on 
This is now a WWE market, not a whatever UK or whatever Japanese promotion market. So long-term plan, I get it. But I do think at times with guys like Ilya, it does, he comes across weaker than he would probably in his hometown. I think a year ago, this would have been a good strategy. But right now on Wednesday nights, NXT is fighting so hard that right. we can't use that as the launching pad for all this other crap. Yeah, I like agree. Focus on Rhea, focus on that women's division, focus on the Undisputed Era. You know, really, let's build some good storylines there. And uh, I think TakeOver, hopefully, is a course correction. So we did have this fatal four-way tonight for the NXT Cruiserweight title um, with Jordan Devlin getting the win. And it was weird. I looked like uh, many people thought maybe that wasn't even the finish uh, with Devlin winning because he seemed surprised by it. It seemed abrupt, but then he cut a promo after, so clearly it was planned. Um, but, Jesse, what would you think of the match, and what do you think of the outcome? I thought the match was was pretty good. There was a lot of spots, typical kind of, you know, cruiserweight four-way, guys flying around doing all sorts of flips, dives, and crazy, t- you know, maneuvers and that kind of stuff. So it was enter- certainly entertaining to watch. I was surprised by Devlin winning. I thought that uh, Angel Garza has gotten, he's got a little something uh, in NXT. He's gotten a little bit of, he's gotten kind of over. Uh, and I was kind of surprised to see them take the title off him. It's the Cruiserweight title, to be honest. It doesn't really mean that much. But I don't think I would have taken the title off of him. I When I saw Devlin win, I kind of was like, Mm, it makes it seem like they had to give NXT UK something and for the rest of the night, they're not going to fare as well, which I was proven wrong, but it just seemed like they wanted to make sure like, okay, NXT UK is here. Look, they're going to win one of our titles. Now it's the Cruiserweight title. It's not one of the most important titles, but um, it, it still means something. I did think that like the crowd liked Garza and they liked Swerve Scott. They didn't really know who Travis Banks were and they didn't really know who Devlin were, despite the fact that those guys have been on NXT UK television. I just, I thought there was a clear gap between the NXT guys and the NXT UK guys, as far as how the crowd reacted. Um, I didn't see any like photos or anything. I know the advance for the show was pretty poor, much lower than normal for takeover. Uh, I don't know how they did the seating or any of the lighting, but to me, it felt like it was probably a smaller crowd than normal oh, definitely. for shows like this. And that might've helped with like the crowd noise and kind of the interest in the show overall seemed kind of down. Um, which is crazy given that the Royal rumble is tomorrow. You, and you would, yeah. And traveled. it's in a, it's in a baseball stadium. So you assume there are people traveling down, like what else, you know, they, they probably planned on, Oh, we'll go to the takeover or in this case, worlds collide. But uh, for whatever reason, I don't think this show really piqued the interest of a lot of people. Well, if you're in Texas, the problem is you last night went to SmackDown Monday night. You got your tickets for raw, mm-hmm. right? You're going to the Royal rumble tomorrow night. A lot of times people go to these shows and typically you want to go to the Saturday, Sunday, Monday gauntlet with Friday nights being there. Now was SmackDown, this- was SmackDown in Houston. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah, why would you skip this tonight if you're there for this? Because if you do not, I mean, I would not have. Let, let's just say that I would not have. But if you are a more casual WWE fan and you're not as interested in UK, and this is not an NXT takeover event, there's um, not as big of a championship on the line, arguably, or as big of a match on the line. I, I, I think that some fans just tuned it out, unfortunately. And and again, there's just not stakes to it in the same way that there are the bigger takeover events, in my opinion. I'm sorry, my Google keeps wanting to join in on the podcast tonight, so let's just turn that bad boy off here. Um, In my opinion, this Fatal 4-Way should have opened the card. I think it was that kind of of match that builds a lot of excitement, a lot of close falls. I think this would have gotten the crowd hype because the crowd was into this one. I mean, they really were, um, and I think that it was 12 minutes, 13 minutes. It was a fun match. Title change always gets a pop. Um, And the botch at the end, the quote-unquote botch, that's one of those things where – 
they pulled it off so well. It re it reinvested my faith in the reality of pro wrestling. <laughs> well, there was a spot that was really the Tower of Doom spot was like super dangerous. That almost involved someone landing on their head. Yeah. That was a pretty scary spot. Yeah. All in all, it was a uh, it was a really good match, and I think uh, Devlin. I'm curious to see what they do with him. Obviously, we're going to be seeing more of him now on NXT and 205 Live. So uh, we'll see what happens. But yes, if Vince calls him up to the main roster, Shorty D, I'm calling it right now. <laughs> Pair him with Gable. Um, so let's talk about DIY getting back together tonight to face Mustache Mountain, which, by the way, if mustaches are your gimmick, don't have a beard also. You're just detracting <laughs> from the gimmick. God, you're like, you got to keep it. Live the gimmick, guys. Come on. I'm just saying, like, it's not facial hair, Mountain. It's, uh, you know, it's like if the mustache is your thing, why watch tracked with a beard? It's just, well, you know, I mean, should undisputed era change their name? Because there is some, you know, it's they've been disputed. disputed. It's been disputed. I mean, I think now, you know, Hey, it's uh they've got a month to uh-huh. win that title, North American title back or else. No, they're the disputed era <laughs> now on going forward. The inner circle uh, is a little bit too open. They've been adding a lot of members lately. Uh, right. I mean, yeah. Hey, you gotta, gotta live it, man. Um, you know, that would, that would be like the Jew print converting to Catholicism. Like <laughs> uh, you know, you pick a name and you stick to it. So uh, DIY tonight. <sighs> okay. First off, these guys looked like freaking not superstars. They looked like rock stars coming into the ring. Love the new gear. Love the mashup of the black heart of the Gargano uh, smiley face. Uh, they had the new merch on great audience reaction. Um, great entrance. Mustache Mountain, the crowd seemed to know them the most, uh, maybe outside of Walter. Of uh, they knew Mustache Mountain the most of the UK talent. Mm-hmm. They got a good response from the crowd. I have an issue with mutual respect in any sort of match. And tonight, I don't like all the handshaking and all the like, well, you know, this is just to see who's the better competitor, especially with DIY. So I'm going to say this. This was a great match tonight. I kind of wish they would have saved DIY getting back together for an angle, maybe against Fish and O'Reilly with Undisputed Era, something personal, something passionate, something where Gargano and Ciampa's backs were against the wall and they had to come together as opposed to like, oh, this team challenges us. Sure, let's reunite and play Coachella this weekend. Like that's not as good of a story as something that's a little more personal. It did feel like kind of like a one, I don't know, is this going to be like a one night only thing? Because that's kind of the vibe I kind of got a little bit was like, this is a team that's popular. We'll put them together. The crowd will like it. But I didn't see like any real long-term storyline involving them at all. And I was kind of expecting that given how, you know, volatile their feud has been over the years. But it was, you're right, in the whole respect thing, which I can kind of like from like a sporting standpoint, but it does kind of make it seem like this is just an exhibition match. It's not, we're Nothing is real serious here because we're not trying to kill each other. You know, we're, this is going to be very gentlemanly. I, I disagree. I, um, I number one, I think this match was phenomenal. I think it was probably my favorite match in the card. Uh, these two teams just had great chemistry. The near falls. Uh, it wasn't one of the situations where we just had a whole bunch of near falls. We had unique near falls at every turn and some great sequences therein. So I really dug all of that. But to me, um, the DIY pairing, that they're such fan favorites and the crowd reaction they get. Um, it's so strong putting them against mustache mountain mustache mountain looked really good in defeat. And I think the handshake helped sell that at the end of it all, because up to that point, both teams were putting it all out there and putting it on the line. So the handshake didn't bother me. I think the DIY thing, they're back together. I think we're going to see some more from Gargano and Ciampa here in the near future. That's and how reunions is- are. It always yeah. starts with Coachella and then they book a tour. Yeah. So I, that's, I, I think all of that is going to play into the future and I think the handshake here 
in my opinion, right? Just me alone. Um, I thought it was a, a good thing, not a bad thing, because both these teams are so well liked. Great wrestlers, great talent. Um, I and my, the reason I say this is that Gargano, Ciampa, former NXT tag team champions, former NXT champions, had one of the best feuds NXT has ever had. Period. For I know wrestling with, has ever had. Period. Yes. Ciampa's surgery, I know, took him out at a very unfortunate time in his trajectory, but I feel like coming back, um, yeah, that's where the, I think beyond an exhibition, I just, I want more for them. And to your point, Michael, I think having them back as a team, I don't think there is anything in the singles realm for them right now. Well, um, with, with both Gargano and Champa, they're kind of at a, a spot in NXT history that we haven't really seen before because you know, previously these guys would have been called up to the main roster. They, they, you oh, know, they accomplished it all. Yeah. So they're kind of in a different spot than anyone else we've seen before. Yes, they're in like sixth year uh, seniors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good analogy because it's kind of like, we don't really know what we're going to see with them. Like how, how can someone, you know, we're going to see like, if someone is in NXT for 10 years, can they be entertaining for 10 years? Cause I think one of the benefits of NXT has been that talent, you know, shows up, they get over, they reach a certain point and then they're gone and they're replaced by new names and no one ever gets stale. And everyone's always, you know, replaced with someone who's really good. And now we're seeing that maybe Gargano and Champa, maybe they just didn't have anything for Gargano and Champa creatively. And they're like, you know what, let's just put you guys back together. Just, you know, just, just for now, because we need something for you guys to do with both for both of you guys to do. This is also, it's worth pointing out too, is Gargano's, this was his first time back in the ring since being injured back in October, as far as actually competing in a singles match, and no better way to do it than a tag team belt. Well, and I would say, uh, to Michael Edwards' point, Balor Club dominating Johnny, forcing a DIY reunion, uh, I would love to see Balor and Jordan Devlin against yeah. Gargano and Ciampa. I think that yeah. could have some really good stakes. Oh, yeah. You know, I like it. Uh, but this was a great match tonight. I Did mean, we talk? Can we can we talk can we talk briefly about the like backstage or uh, I guess it would be like in the stands interaction between the grizzled young veterans and Matt Riddle and Pete Dunn because I thought yes. that was great. Yes, sorry, yeah, I skipped over that. Uh, yeah, so yes, we had uh, grizzled young veterans talking about their finals in the Dusty Cup, and then went to uh, Riddle and Pete Dunn like like a comedy team. Just so, so well with setting each other up with Dunn playing the straight man tonight uh, with his uh, innuendo towards some marijuana references, Riddle making his comments. Um, this was the best promo tonight. This topped any video package. figure anything else we saw outside the ring. This might have been my favorite part of the night. I, Gibson, really? had, you know, Gibson <laughs> has a lot of charisma and he did well in his promo. And then they toss it over to Riddle, and Riddle has so much charisma. He, he just says, first of all, he just says, bro, and the crowd goes crazy. And then he kind of says, you know, I know, you know, my partner Pete Dunn is, is smiling ear to ear, and he looks at him, and Pete Dunn's just stone-faced. And he goes, that's his happy face. And then, of course, Dunn goes, I'm going to be blunt with you. And as soon as he said blunt, like just like the facial reaction that Matt Riddle had, he was like, and then he like looked around at the audience and then he made a couple more marijuana references. And I just thought the whole thing was so great. It was, it was like Matt Riddle got more over in this little segment than I think almost any other wrestler, except for maybe falter later on the show. Oh, I think this is going to reinvigorate Dunn's career. Cause I feel like he's kind of stalled since losing the NXT uh, championship. But uh, yes, the dusty classic winners as Justin Toner's pointing out. They're going to get a tag title shot at takeover Portland. I predict it's going to be the Broser weights. Man, I'm hoping Vince doesn't pay attention to this because this is going to be like the street profits on Raw, where it's going to be, you know, them coming, like they're going to be like Spicoli in the van with smoke coming out of it. Vince, 
I'm just assuming Vince McMahon is a huge Cheech and Chong fan. So uh, <laughs> look out if these guys are main roster. Well, I think they don't have, I don't, I don't think there's much for Dunn to do in the main roster right now. I think if he was brought up, he would be underused, underutilized. Part of that, part of this, the Broserweights. Yeah. Well, I don't, I, I don't think they would have much for the Broserweights to do right now. I mean, the NXT no, tag be like teams. Three profits. That's what I'm saying. It would be vignettes. They would hardly ever. I don't they would use them that well. I think the Street Profits have been used surprisingly well. I think most NXT tag teams have not been used surprisingly well, and I think um, I think they would break them up pretty quickly because I don't think Vince McMahon would get um, Pete Dunne's character. I think Pete Dunne is a great talent. You guys mentioned it being brought back into the fold here, giving us something to do in this tag team division. I love Dunne. Um, I don't want to see him anywhere in the main roster, even in this tag team, anytime soon. <laughs> Let me tell you. I think, and I know Matt Morgan disagrees. We talked about this on Wednesday. I think the Broser weights are head and shoulders above Kenny Omega and Adam Page as a tag yeah. team. Oh, I 100% agree with that. So put them on AEW. They don't know what to do with them. I just don't think the main roster writing team does. <laughs> oh, yeah. Really? Who do they know? You know, yeah. We saw Mercedes Martinez at ringside. Dakota Kai was shown. Tegan Knox suddenly came out of nowhere, beat Dakota down. Security tried to break them up, but they kept going at it. So that feud is continuing. And then we have the NXT women's title match, Tony Storm versus Rhea Ripley. Bianca Belair was at ringside. She's going to be facing Rhea for the NXT Women's Championship at TakeOver Portland. Um, we all knew Rhea was retaining here. I'm kind of surprised how short this match was. I, um, yeah, but this was more of like a strong, like a strong style match kind of going um, this, this really powerful move. And it ended kind of abruptly too, I felt like. Like the ending was just... Boom, we're done with it. Um, I don't know. It, it just felt like I didn't like the – I wasn't a big fan of this match. I just really didn't like that much. I was very – I was pretty disappointed. I thought going in when they were getting in the ring, I was like, you know what? This might end up being the best match of the night. It has that potential. It has that ceiling. Um, it, but it was short. It was kind of like ended abruptly. The crowd didn't really care that much about Tony Storm. I was a little disappointed in, in that because I thought she has had some exposure with the Mae Young Classic, and I think she's appeared on NXT a few times. So I thought she'd get be a little bit more of her, but they didn't seem to really care about her. Uh, and it just it kind of ended abruptly, and she she lost, and that was it. And I think Tony, both both these women, Tony Storm and Rhea Ripley, on their good days, uh, could be the faces of the women's division or, you know, on the same level as like Becky Lynch and Charlotte and Sasha and Bailey. I think they're that talented. I think they have a lot of bo both of them in their own way, have a lot of marketability uh, if pushed correctly. And so this was kind of disappointing to see this kind of just be a match that was short and ended kind of abruptly. They have screwed up these last five weeks. Think back to December 18th, Rhea Ripley winning the NXT women's title, how on fire they ended the year. And since then, I just I feel like they've dropped the ball all around. They're, they're not doing well by Rhea. They're not doing well by Undisputed Era. Um, the Dusty Classic, the build-up to tonight, something about it, everything that was great about their storytelling last year, I just feel like they're squandering right now. And I say this, people love to give the criticism on what we do here Wednesday night and be like, oh, you're in the tank for AEW. I NXT is what got me back into watching wrestling on a weekly basis back in 2015. I will root for NXT so hard every week. I want them to have the better show. I love when they have the better show. I'm an AEW fan as well, but I want NXT to succeed. They were doing such such a good job in the build-up to Survivor Series and immediately after it. And this tonight is just like, crap, man. Like, they're, they're going to screw this up. They're going to screw Rhea up. They're going to screw this whole thing up. This match should have been so much more tonight. But Rhea versus Bianca, though, they can get – this can – 
go back in a heartbeat if Wednesday night is hot and they start building that and they go full steam on takeover Portland, which I think they're going to after the dusty finals. Um, I think they can get it back because there's no, I mean, Rhea versus Bianca should be an A plus match. Yeah. Well, this should have been too. And I, I think the part of the problem here is I think both of these women are great. Um, individually, Tony Storm, of course, has this history with Rhea Ripley, which they were trying to build off of. But for whatever reason, it just did not come out in this match tonight. So I'm excited to see Rhea Ripley move on. I think part of it again is more casual, even casual NXT fans, not as into Tony Storm, and they've been built up to understand Rhea Ripley's story. I think Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair will will feel different just from the perspective of the fans know them better. And I hate to use that as a crutch here, but it's just the truth. If the fans don't know who you are, they're not going to be as invested. Um, and and to your point here about NXT versus AEW and who's a mark and who's not, whatever, it's all a bunch of bull first off. But secondly, NXT... I would argue from October through December overall was the more watchable, um, the more engrossing professional wrestling show that we had um, on Wednesday nights. Not that AEW was bad. AEW was great, but NXT was just that consistent. And I think that what happened is uh, since January one, they just turned this corner of, of, of we've said numerous times tonight, too many cross storylines. Now, 7 a.m. Gamer is pointing out NXT is not as bad as the main roster, Glenn. I'm sure they won't screw it up. Let me go back to this comparison of Weezer. You're Weezer. You release the Blue <laughs> Album. Okay. Right? One of the yep. defining alternative rock albums of the mid-90s, of the 90s overall, but amazing how they did something so unique post-Nirvana in sort of bringing geek rock as a genre. They followed up with Pinkerton. At first, I'm not sure where this is going exactly, but you listen to it, you get it, and you're like, oh, this is actually better than the last album. Then they come out with the Green Album, you're like, okay, Return to Form, it's rock, and it's different, it's good. Maladroy comes out, and you're like, you know, these are some really good songs they are expanding. Then they come out with Make Believe, and you're like, yeah, okay, this is good, but you guys were really on a run with those first four. You know, this Beverly <laughs> Hills thing, this is not... This is not the sweater song. This is not Buddy Holly. This is not only in dreams. This isn't even uh, even the good life or some of the maybe lesser songs from their catalog. Uh, you know, you're you're wishing for hash pipe and chasing that glory or uh, or keep fishing or island in the sun. I'm just saying that you know you do something so well and even being a step down, it's like it's uh, it's like be having the least nice mansion on the block. It's still a mansion, but it's just not quite as great as the other ones. But you know what happens from those albums, Glenn, for really great artists is they are exploring new avenues, new ways to express their creativity. And at the end of it all, they come back with something good afterwards. And to me, the Red Rose Album, that's the comeback. Gratitude, Hurley. Well, like no we, so Weezer, an example with Weezer. we're really Weezer, in on this Weezer, Weezer, Weezer example Weezer, here. Weezer, Weezer still hasn't quite nailed the comeback. Yet. Well, to be fair, I mean, they went, they were a one hour show for a really long time and they went to two hours and they're being asked to do a lot more to go to your music analogy. It's like, instead of coming out with an album every two or three years, you sign a record deal. You got to come out with an album every one year. And that's it's, in the process. That's going to be your creative process is probably going to be watered down and you're going to be asked to do kind of forced to come up with stuff. And not all that stuff's going to be hits. Well, let me tell you one of the smartest things someone in the record industry ever told me. I think it was our attorney at the time who said the challenge is you have your entire life to write your first album exactly. and about six months to do the follow-up. And by the way, during that time, you're dealing with the success, the touring, and everything else. So I think with NXT, expanding to two hours definitely challenged them. Um, but yeah, they've just they've just got to get their mojo back. For and worlds collide too. I mean, this is this is something else where they're playing around with the format. We know what takeovers are. We we've watched them for years. They've been great, consistently great. And Triple H wants to continue building this brand. Last year 
Worlds Collide 2019 um, was just a Royal Rumble access event, and they had a, a WWE Network special about it. It wasn't its own pay-per-view. So, of course, it's not going to be quite what we want because it's something different. But I think Triple H is the kind of leader that he's going to learn from this. He's going to keep exp- expanding, keep exploring, and... I think they're going to use it to build the NXT brand up even further in the future, even if it's not what we want today or they make mistakes along the way. Better analogy. Let's say you're Kevin Smith. You come out with Clerks, then Mallrats, oh then Chasing Amy, <laughs> then Dogma, then Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. And then you say, hey, I'm going to make Jersey Girl. And it's like, could you please just make Clerks too? Can we please just go back to what was working so well for everyone before? I know you want to change. I know you want to grow. I know you want to try new things. But remember, people love you for a reason. And I think NXT needs to realize that a lot of us are fans of NXT. NXT UK, we like, but we don't love it the way we love NXT. So you're not a fan of The Last Jedi then, huh? You were a Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker kind of kind of dude, huh? I thought Force Awakens was actually really, really good. It was everything I wanted and then some. And then Last Jedi, meh. And Skywalker oh. was... Oh. Skywalker was... Uh, oh. Not it was better, but it wasn't. It was not. Oh, Last Jedi is near the top of my list for Star Wars movies. That is a far, far deeper discussion to have. But let me just say, The Mandalorian. (laughs) I'll take The Mandalorian over probably uh, easily The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. I think The Mandalorian is the best Star Wars thing potentially since uh, Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. I could be down with that. Yeah, Rogue One is probably the second best. Okay, so you're a Rogue One. Okay, I get you. I get Solo. A Star Wars story was a lot better. No. It's not, it was, no. it was, if they'd waited to release that the full nope. year, I think it would have done much nope. better at the box office. It was not a, it was a, it was a corporate cash, cash in. Well, I mean, aren't all prequels. It was stories? literally, they were like, Hey, you want to know all these things about Han Solo? Like, where did he get his blaster? No, I don't care. Well, we're going to tell you anyway, because we have a movie to fill. Mm. Yes. There's a very good Patton Oswalt uh, routine about prequels and uh, how dumb they are. Anyhow, uh, back to tonight. Let's talk about the main event. Imperium versus Undisputed Era. This tonight, it was... Oh, Rhea Ripley won, which I think we stated about the women's match. Uh, again, disappointing only because Rhea's been such on a hot streak that this was not a full use of her talents. Um, but Imperium versus Undisputed Era, it was supposed to be four on four. Very quickly, became four on three because Alexander Wolf legitimately got knocked the F out and taken to the back. Yeah, as far as how this was handled, I thought that was handled like pretty well, especially coming off of TLC where we had that whole incident um, with Carrie saying where she, you know was didn't really know like how that concussion protocol everything was handled like that. But this, he got hit and they got him out of the ring and he didn't take any more punishment. They didn't try to do anything. I was pretty impressed by how that was handled. But yeah, they had to do some booking on the fly because that clearly I don't think was part of the show. I actually. I... The referee did a great job here. Um, what's uh, is it, Dwayne? I'm like, I'm gonna Wayne. Um, he, he he was awesome. He saw it in the moment and he immediately jumped on it. So kudos to him for handling it there. My big thing is they immediately jumped back into this match with Alexander Wolf still being tended to at ringside, and it's it left me feeling a little bit uncomfortable. Kind of like they let's get him out of the ring, let's keep it going. Like he was to me, ringside is still on the field. You think about like a football game or basketball game, they get them off the court, off the field, and then they keep going. And I would, I wish there had been just a brief or, or maybe a little bit longer break in there um, to get him away from ringside before they picked it back up. Nitpick, but uh, I don't know. I just, it felt, felt uncomfortable. Help. He's out of the ring. Let's keep going. <laughs> well, I agree uh, with Greg Carr in our chat who said it should have been an elimination match because I think uh, 
it was clear that Walter was going to win the match and get that win. And I think that him one-on-one with somebody would have made it definitive and kept undisputed era looking really strong. But that being said, um, props to these guys for pulling off a four on three match. And what I'm sure was rehearsed and planned to be a complete four on four match. I thought they did excellent tonight. A lot of great spots. Uh, everybody looked strong. Walter looked super dominant and him getting uh, the pin in the win at the end for Imperium, man, Think about how much NXT, like it or not, on the men's side has been the Undisputed Era show, and these guys tonight lost to the NXT UK powerhouse. It really kind of shows you how they are all in on NXT UK, perhaps to their detriment. So this match was all about Valter, and Valter's the best wrestler in the entire company, and I don't think it's particularly close. He's so brilliant. He doesn't, like, I joked on Twitter, like, he doesn't do any moves that, like, Luthez didn't do. He just does punches and basic suplexes. And his finishing move is either a powerbomb or he literally just jumps off the top rope onto somebody, like a very basic uh, body splash. But he gets so much out of it. This whole match was built around, you know, Walter gets the hot tag. He runs wild. They put him through a table. They beat down his friends. And then he gets the hot tag again and he comes back in and he's just super pissed off and he's chopping the hell out of everyone. And Undisputed Era, who, uh, you know, have this very established reputation of being, you know, very elite, very uh, capable. Being uh, undisputed. Yeah, as being like a dominant team. And Valter's just kicking the crap out of them the entire time. He just power bombs Bobby Fish, pins him, gets the win. This was fantastic. Um, I just, I mean, they should... They could do any, like Walter can come out last night. He can come out tomorrow. He can eliminate Brock Lesnar. He can win the Royal Rumble. He can do, you know, wrestle in both matches at WrestleMania. I'm down for anything involving more of him. He's my favorite wrestler in the company uh, by a wide margin at this point. Uh, Yeah, maybe I would buy he's your favorite. I don't know. Best, it's a pretty strong statement when you got some guys in the main roster who are being way underutilized right now. And Walter gets from the problem. I mean, well, I mean, yeah. Obviously, there's there's a ceiling for different people that people can reach uh, sure. if they're utilized properly. But when I just see him, I just think like this guy is so brilliant. He doesn't do like like well, I know people, brilliant, but that's not the best. Res- I mean, that's the smartest yeah. wrestlers. Matt, Morgan his, he gets say. away with more because of his size too. Yeah, like if you don't have to take bumps or do any yeah. high spots. Like that's pretty brilliant. Like Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is a dude, and I, this is what Samoa Joe was to me for so many years, a big dude who can wrestle, who can move, who does un- unbelievable things and can have a great match with anybody. And I think Walter's ceiling is super high here, but when I was watching him wrestle tonight, my thought was, you, you said this, Jesse, I think he'd be great to go up against Brock Lesnar, right? Like, Lesnar needs an opponent, bring Walter up, right? Let's see that feud happen. That would be huge. But also, you don't have to be you get away with a lot because of your size. You can, you can do German suplexes, right? I wouldn't say Brock Lesnar is the best wrestler in the company, but he can have good matches with really good wrestlers too. Um, you know, it's a, it's an interesting conversation to have. I think that all that being said, you're right though. Walter is super talented and he looked like a damn star in this match. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm a huge, like I said, I'm a huge fan of his work and just his ability to do so much stuff and get over like, he really hasn't been on NXT television that much. He kind of, yeah. he got a little bit of a run at Survivor Series, which he was kind of jobbed out of, which people were mad about. And, but he's not like, it's not like he's on the show every week. It's not like he was wrestling for, he was a former NXT champion, but he was the guy, like the crowd really didn't care about Imperium at all. And in fact, they had the dueling chance in the dueling chance. There was, you know, let's go like undisputed era. And they weren't chanting Imperium. They were chanting for Walter. He's the entire, he was the yes. entire group. Uh, I mean, more so we talked about how Adam Cole overshadows Undisputed Era, 
Walter, I know Alexander Wolf because Alexander Wolf has been in NXT forever. I mean, with insanity. Uh, I hope he's okay. He's had an interesting career so far where he's never really broken that stratosphere. I mean, due to what happened with Kennedy and everything else he's tried to do. But yeah, with Imperium, uh, I mean, a, a wrestler tonight, how did I hear this before? It's uh, Marcel Bartel is legitimately his name. Yep, he's a second-generation wrestler. He wrestled in WXW as Axel Bitar Jr. And he's like very much like a um, like a young guy. I think he's only like 23 or 24, but is already like very accomplished. Kind of like a, a like a guy who's like got a lot of experience already and they have a lot of high hopes for, but is still so young that they don't have to really push him right away. And that is his legit name, Marcel Barthel. Mm. Mm. Well, Mar- so Marcel is also the name of the, the monkey on Friends. So Yes. Marcel, Marcel, not really, not really great, like badass legacy in the name Marcel. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of any really great um, legendary leaders. Marcel, uh, Marcellus Wallace from Pulp Fiction. Oh yeah, that's true. Maybe that's, that's, that's the there epitome, we go. Of, epitome of badass. Yeah, that's yes. true. Totally undermined your own point, Mark. That's <laughs> that's, that's <right>. one. <laughs> but a hit, not a history, just one, the single one. <sighs> Names are weird, man. You know, growing up, there was like no one named Glenn. It was very strange. And now in the last 20 years, I feel like that name is everywhere. There's like I, all don't these know, I don't know Glenn. anyone else named Glenn except you. There's all these characters named Glenn's in like movies and TV. And when I felt like I had a very unique thing going and it all got ruined. I mean, uh, Michael, growing up with Michael Jesus, that's like the most common name of the 1980s and 90s. It is a super common name. And I was born in the 80s, right? So um, I always like to remind people, though, that um, I uh, Michael is the only other angel named in the Bible. He's the guardian angel. Michael is like uh, the Anglo-Saxon Muhammad in terms of c- commonality. Uh, and whatnot. That's right. And, I, uh, I, I go by my friend, my close friends and family call me Mikey sometimes. So, um, you know, I oh, so we'll, we'll start all calling you that. I mean, you know, it's cool. We're, we're friends and family here. I will tell you this. One thing I did like, we talked a lot about Walter here. Walter and his amazing, like the way he just dominated this match would not have worked had the Undisputed Era not have been as over as they were and had guys like Adam Cole, Bobby Fish. I mean, at different points, they were just, I mean, well, I, was, I say Bobby Fish. I really mean Roderick Strong. Roderick Strong was amazing in this match. Um, and Adam Cole, God, he just did so many crazy things in this. But they allowed Walter to look like a star because of the way they played off of him. So they deserve a lot of a lot of props there too. I don't. This is going to be like a hot take, but the undisputed era. You're full like, tonight, so go for the it. The undisputed era to me, like I like all of the talent. I like them individually. They don't feel like as like awesome as. To, I don't want to say they're overrated because they're not, but I don't. They don't feel like as dominant as. They maybe their push justifies. They really the a lot of NXT revolves around them, and I think the guys are all really good wrestlers. And Adam Cole does have a lot of charisma, and so does Kyle O'Reilly in his own way. But I don't see them like as like that like amazing to justify like so much of NXT revolving around them, and for a long period of time they've been around for a while. We've discussed that before on the show. I mean, they look like four guys. I mean, like, like I said, if you showed me a photo of them. And a photo of Imagine Dragons. I know who Adam Cole is, but was the other three guys? I might not be able to tell who was in the band Imagine Dragons and who was in Undisputed. Era. Well, and, and I don't want to say like I like them a lot, but I, I for me it just seems like it's been a while, and I don't see them like they're kind of positioned like I don't want to say the NWO. That's unfair, but maybe like Evolution, like to what sure. Evolution was to WWE during that time period, they kind of are like to NXT. They're and the I top just feel like, faction, in NXT. and I feel like it's been a while. And up and down this card. And one of the things that maybe 
you talked about kind of NXT and even NXT in comparison to AEW. I feel like NXT doesn't have a ton of great characters. It seems like it's a lot of good wrestlers and a lot of good wrestling, but they, I think they really miss Velveteen Dream, to be honest, because he was so different and he gave them so much. And, you know, you have like guys like Riddle who have a lot of charisma, but a lot of it is just like a lot of guys who are good workers that might have a little bit of a catchphrase or something like that. But I feel like there isn't a ton of like really tremendous like characters on the show and it kind of forces guys to blend in together. Not in the men's division, but in the women's division, however, the women's division, there are so many characters. Yeah, that's a good point. Like yeah, a you're right. Hero. Yeah. Um, but no, Undisputed Era, I mean, we, we talked about this. Uh, a lot actually i think we finally kind of cooled off on it because it seemed excessive but yeah undisputed era is not who i would build a tv show around as my top men's stars you could for a period of time i just i feel like it's been a while on that period of time has gone on a very very long yeah. time well and there's a uh, way to break these guys away and add them to the tag team division i think adam cole still has a huge upside as a single sure. wrestler because he feels i mean people talk a lot about size and i i, I understand why they do but Adam Cole's personality is so much bigger than him that he still feels like a huge star, I think. Yes. So, so Imperium got the win. Valter got the win here. Imperium stood tall as the pay-per-view went off the air. So if you didn't watch this tonight, if you did not watch Worlds Collide, highly recommend it again. Even if you thought the buildup was kind of weak, even if you weren't that interested, this flew by tonight. There were a lot of good matches. Um, at the very least, watch the Mia Yim match with Kaylee Ray. Yeah. watch uh, the Fatal 4-Way uh, and I think watch the main event. I think you could skip around the other ones. Well, hell, the Rhea Ripley match was so short. Just, it was like five minutes. Pull I out think. your phone while it's on. Don't, don't skip DIY versus Mustache. I know they yeah, got a beer. Good. DIY was good. No, DIY, you I know you're right. By the way, DIY versus Mustache Mountain, it's probably my second favorite match of the night. I think, yeah. uh, or, or first, that probably Amia Yim versus Kaylee Ray are probably tied for my mm, favorite matches okay. this evening. Nobody. Um, Nobody should ever kick out of the burning hammer. It's a huge problem I have. We'll have in that match. It's <laughs> well, uh, tremendous sin American wrestling has done is the burning hammer should not be kicked out of it. it. Should be hit very sparingly, and it should always be a pinfall. That's a personal opinion, but that was my takeaway from the. It's pretty low on the sins of American wrestling sins. I would say that it's no Michael. It's number one. <laughs> but if there's okay, so if Top there's a the move, list. if there's a move that always wins. Why wouldn't everybody just do the move that always wins? Right. Well, why doesn't everyone just try to hit their finisher all the time? And this is where Matt Morgan told us last week on the SmackDown podcast that sometimes things happen in wrestling and that's the way they happen and it gets the fans into it. Because I was complaining about what, if you have a false cut anywhere match, why isn't your tag team already out there helping you out from the very beginning? And they explained to me that because you got to have them run out to get the fans into it. And let me, to prove the point, in the movie Over the Top with Sylvester Stallone, a cinematic classic, he turned his hat around. He had his over-the-top arm wrestling move, and it always won. So he did that in every match, and he always won. In professional wrestling, that's why you can't have something that is just always a winner, or else you just do it all the time. Glenn, do you have on your, uh, your run sheet tonight um, Royal Rumble predictions? Well... Here's what I really want to talk about. We've run down the card a couple times on here. Uh, I mean, we could talk about the Fiend, Bray Wyatt versus Daniel Bryan, a strat match for the WWE Universal Championship. Uh, curious to get both of your takes on who you think is winning that. I think it's pretty obvious the Fiend is going to retain, but I would love to be surprised. Mm. Yeah, Fiend, Fiend's going to win. Yeah, I think the Fiend's going to win too. Becky Lynch versus Asuka. We're predicting it's going to be a very hard-fought match. Could be the match of the show, but Becky will go over and retain. Mm -hmm. 
Agreed. Although I I love Asuka. I would love to see her give her comeuppance. She's never got that big win on a big stage. Um, TLC last year she did, or technically 2018. Um, but yeah, Becky. Uh, I mean, we've got Roman Reigns versus King Corbin. I mean, it's false count anywhere. I just want to know, is dog food going to be involved and how much? <laughs> well, on the house shows, weren't they doing the loser has to eat dog food match, which seems like the classic old school angle you would want to do for a show like this. But I think obviously Reigns is going to win. Yeah. Shorty G versus Sheamus. Sheamus has to win this with his comeback. Mm, poor Shorty G. Poor Shorty G. Coming up just a little bit short. Uh, who, do, who, who do you think Vince likes more, Sheamus or Shorty G? I think he legit likes Shorty G. Or else he, he would be on TV every I week. Think he, I think he likes hearing the name Shorty G, and I think it makes him laugh. But I think Sheamus obviously is would be his I think- choice. I think we I think we sell Vince McMahon a little bit short sometimes. Sometimes it deservedly show so, but he would not put him on a match against Sheamus if he didn't like him a little bit. <laughs> yeah, uh, Bailey defending the SmackDown Women's Championship against Lacey Evans. Uh, JC, you go first. Uh, I think Bailey's going to win. They've tr- they're trying to get something going with Lacey Evans. Um, Bailey, it seems like after since she she had that kind of like shocking heel turn, and then since then has been kind of boring to me oh she's been uh, nothing yeah she really hasn't done anything like she had the whole thing where she took out like the sword and like cut down her wacky waving inflatable tube men and just after that it was just kind of it's just kind of been boring for me so in some ways i think Lacey would be a change but i also think that heading into wrestlemania i think whoever's the winner of the royal rumble i think bailey would be a more interesting opponent now of course they could wrestle the raw women's champion too but i, I i'm leaning towards bailey at this point it wouldn't be super shocking if Lacey won because they do seem high on her I think uh, Bailey wins, but I think if you don't do Lacey right now, you're missing an opportune chance to capitalize on somebody who has suddenly got a lot of momentum behind. Yeah, it. like why do what they've been doing with her just to build her up and have her lose here? Yep. Uh, and in a match that I'm predicting is going to be on the pre-show, maybe with Shorty G versus Sheamus, Andrade is defending the United States Championship against Humberto Carrillo. Andrade, I, I think Humberto's, you know, he's he's getting some spotlight here, but Andrade, they they have a lot of hopes on him for the future. I agree. The U.S. title matches are good, but I feel like the title means absolutely nothing as far as like who holds it. Yeah. So we, of course, have the men's rumble and the women's rumble tomorrow night. 27 of 30 entrants have been announced in the men's Royal Rumble match. I don't need to read the list. You can go to Wikipedia. You can look it up. But th- by the way, the 27 of 30 entrants, these are all Raw and SmackDown talents. Now, single NXT talent mentioned. I'm assuming that means we're not going to see any NXT talent. Maybe we see one. Um, but who are your predictions for the surprises for these other three slots tomorrow night? I can't give you mine because um, i got an article coming up tomorrow, WrestlingInc.com. You might have heard of the website. Um, it's got my top eight predictions for those remaining three spots. All right, I'll give you one. Okay, I'll give you, I'll give there you one. There was a photo leak today, which, spoiler, like, actually there's two potential spoilers that we know so far. Two. So I'm going to take a moment, cover your ears, earmuffs, if you don't want to be spoiled. So somebody saw on the uh, from the hotel outside the arena. We saw them testing entrance graphics and MVPs came up. Okay. <clears throat> the other one is that I've heard the Undertaker has been spotted in Houston. You know that leaves, don't you? Leaves you one spot. Bring in doesn't the Undertaker live in Houston? But he's been spotted like around the stuff. So he could just be there for that. But people, of course, are are speculating. Brings you one spot open for Edge. 
just an edge is the other what is what is the what is the nature like how did the edge rumor begin because um, he I, was seen talking to, I think the rumor was he talked to the doctor, uh, WWE's yeah. doctor. To me, I never, it's just, it just seems like WWE's out of relevant people to bring back, but fans are so conditioned to do that, that I think they're willing to believe that someone like Edge is going to come back. Maybe he is. I'm, I'll look really stupid if that happens, but it just, to me, it seems like a lot of wish casting. And Taker is from Houston. He lives in Austin, but he could just be there visiting because it's not that far. Um, he can also, he could totally be in the Rumble. He's not like retired or anything and the Rumble isn't particularly physically demanding or it doesn't have to be. So it would make sense if he were to be in it, it would actually be a good use of that spot because you, you said 27 names. I mean, how many of those names are like real big names that people are going to like pop when they come out? I mean, it's, it's the roster. Um, but that being said, now that I'm looking at this, I could see somebody like our truth who was announced. Yeah. I could see someone getting attacked on their way to the ring to make an extra spot. If like it was Kane Velasquez, or a surprise. I think Kane Velasquez. I mean, there's also been rumors Tyson Fury could be in line for WrestleMania match, right? So Kane Velasquez would feel feel flat because he is still technically on the main roster right now. He is still under contract, um, and I think that he just didn't get the reaction they wanted the first go around. They got to do something different with him other than expecting. Look, he's here. Everybody cheer. Um, to your point about Edge, I think Edge is one of those guys, Jesse. I think CM Punk is a little bit of wish casting right now. I think people still feel like they'd love oh, to see yeah. him. People are going to do that before every pay-per-view is long right. for the next forever. But yeah. but Edge is one of those guys that he had such a strong run for so long and he did everything in the company and his career was cut short right at that moment where he was on top of the world. That I think it was kind of like when Daniel Bryan returned, that the possibility that we could see Edge back in there as somebody who followed his entire WWE career and is a huge fan of Edge, it's there there are very few people who I hold still in that special place in my pro wrestling fandom. Guys like Austin returning to the ring. He's up there with that level of it would be really special and something really different. Oh, I'm not hating. If Edge comes out, it'd be great. I'm not hating on that. I just think like I don't see – I didn't see like a lot of strong like indications that Edge is actually going mm. to come back. It, to me, it seemed like a rumor that kind of pops up a little bit, but people get really excited about it. And so it, they kind of run with it. That I mean, but that's just my take. I've written it down. Uh, you, you hate Edge tonight. You hate mm-hmm. Undisputed Era. You mm-hmm. hated the pay-per-view tonight. Mm-hmm. No strong is. feelings on Weezer. Um, <laughs> I like a few of their songs. I I, I – I, I'm not really like a fan, a huge fan of that genre of music. So of rock music of like that kind of like nineties alternative rock, like Weezer or Oasis. I like, I like, they're okay. I'm not like, I wouldn't, I don't have like a ton of opinions on it. Foo Fighters. Same thing. Rock music for people who don't really like rock and roll. Well, but what do you consider like the best rock and roll? My personal favorite. Um, it varies a lot. Um, I would say I'm pretty big metalhead, so probably like heavy metal. And then um, I don't know. I like I like I listen to anything. I mean, I didn't think I would be talking about my musical preference. Um, what era of heavy metal? We're talking more like pandemic. Anything, anything. I mean, '80s classic heavy metal. You know, like obviously like thrash like, metal, like, like Metallica poison? and like Exodus. Uh, no, those are no, those aren't really metal bands to me, at least. But hey, like, Striper, would... Striper's got some chops. Hey, when you can sing metal about Jesus, when can you know? Kip Winger is a surprisingly good bass player. Oh no, no, there's people. I didn't say they weren't. Incredible lyrics, maybe in hindsight. I didn't say they weren't. I didn't say they weren't talented. No, Metallica's good. I listen to a lot of like um, metal coming out of like Scandinavia these days. That's where like I think like the best stuff is coming out contemporary wise. Hmm. I don't think I've heard new heavy metal. Uh, Maybe uh, oh, what's the group's name? They had the. 
Mm. Baby metal. That's the last contemporary metal that I heard. The the Japanese women that sing the heavy metal. Mm. I can give you some recommendations if you like. You know, Any- I listen to Dream Theater occasionally, or uh, I'll, I'll go Dream back. Dream Theater's good. I, yeah, They're got, Boston yeah. band. Any strong yeah. feelings on Limp Biscuit in the room? No, oh, <laughs> no, that era is bad. Like the Limp Biscuit, Slipknot. It's no bueno. I'll offend the wrestling crowd though. It's a big crossover. Uh, give us got props here. John Nelson in the chat room pulling through with the music conversation. Death Clock. Death Clock is good. Death yes. Clock is good. The guitarist Brendan Small, who created the band uh, in the show, uh, Metal Eclipse, uh, lived like in an apartment like a few, few streets away from me. Death Clock. There you go. I haven't heard a lot of, like I said, not a lot of recent hard rock even. Not a lot of recent rock and roll. I do think, legitimately think Fozzie's uh, Judas is yeah, that's one of the best rock songs I've heard yep. in recent memory. And that that album, both of their albums, their most recent albums are actually, I think, solid entries into modern rock canon. Yeah. Big fan of My Chemical Romance, guys. I got to say it. Back, welcome to the Black, welcome to the Black Parade is a classic rock album. Well, I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan. So, um, and like, Welcome to the Black Parade is, uh, yep. I'm not similar to The Wall, but it was inspired by The Wall. So yep. anyone that's repping The Wall is 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 on my good side. I have a wall hat. I didn't wear it. I wore the Red Sox hat instead. You know what's Maybe so weird? Time. Is I listened to every day in the mid 2000s. I had like a Winamp playlist. That should tell how old I am. Um, Winamp, it kicks the competitors ass. Yes, I would start and it would be uh, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. And then we'd go into The Killer's Hot Fuss. And I listen to this like every day I would start there and then it would just go album through album. I love Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge and then Black Parade didn't really do it for me. It's mm. too uh, different. Strange. Anyhow, I uh, want to get your Royal Rumble predictions for the men's Rumble. So Brock Lesnar's entering at number one. Who do you think is going to win? Drew McIntyre is my pick. I've been, I've been leaning into that one heavily. I think Brock needs a serious competitor. I think Drew McIntyre's got the size. He's got the star power and he needs this moment. I think that the person who eliminates Brock Lesnar will not win the Royal Rumble. Um, I think you get the person who eliminates Brock Lesnar will be Brock Lesnar's opponent for WrestleMania. And then the person who wins the Rumble will challenge the Fiend. That's mm-hmm. logically how I think it. Because Lesnar's entering first, correct? Yes. Yes. So Lesnar's not going to be out there for 60 minutes. So he's not being the last person eliminated, I think, in my opinion. That's not how he's going to do it. I think how they do it is either the person who's number two eliminates him or like he eliminates like four or five guys like Lesnar, like quickly. And it looks like he's just going to dominate. Then someone else comes out. Maybe it's Drew McIntyre and eliminates him. I think if I were to pick a winner, I think I'm going to go with Reigns. I believe he's the odds on favorite at this point. Um, I think that WWE's kind of kept him on the back burner with this Corbin feud where he's on TV, but he's not like being pushed down everyone's throat. And I think that they ideally want to get back to that point where Reigns is the top baby face on SmackDown, the new flagship show. And so I would say that the logical outcome of the Royal Rumble, I think, would be with Reigns. It could be with anyone. Maybe Reigns is too obvious of a choice. But I think Reigns versus Fiends would be where I would guess they're going for WrestleMania. I don't know, man. If Undertaker came in, won, and challenged the Fiend, and that was Undertaker's retirement match, the would be uh, pretty sweet. I think, the, like, well, the way – the reason I don't – I think long-term – like Drew McIntyre or Matt Riddle or Keith Lee or someone would be the correct choice for um, eliminating Brock and facing Brock. But WWE, when it comes to WrestleMania, WWE likes to put together these dream matches, these once in a lifetime bouts that involve like a lot, oftentimes part-time stars. So to me, it makes it seem like I, I, 
even though long term, I think the smart thing would be like Drew or an XT guy or Alistair Black or someone like that. And maybe Paul will advocate for that and it will work out. But for me, I think that they're going to like, I, w- I would say like it's more likely that Cain Velasquez fights Brock at WrestleMania than Drew McIntyre. Okay, so we got nine of 30 women announced for the women's Royal Rumble match. And there are photos of the merch store with these new Ronda Rousey shirts. <laughs> so 21 spots, man. I think we're going to see a lot of NXT talent and uh, some familiar faces we haven't seen in a while. But do you think Ronda comes back tomorrow night to set up Becky versus Ronda round two for me? Yes. yes. WWE should be praying that Ronda comes back because they desperately need her star power for the women's division. Um, um, and I think that um, I don't know if she's going to come back. There isn't, I haven't seen really any indicators. They can, I think they, they are selling merchandise, but I think they've probably been selling merchandise. I haven't been to a WWE house show in a while, but I'm assuming if I went to a house show a few months ago, I probably could have got a Ronda Rousey shirt. So this is a new design though. New design. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's true. Like she could totally show up like that. I don't rule that out. Um, and the WC one or two, I think my picks would be, I think um, Shayna Baszler maybe would be my pick. And then obviously Charlotte would be probably my second pick as far as I think those would be the two most relevant people. Um, and obviously if Ronda came back, she'd obviously be a big favorite. I think, the, I think Ronda Rousey carried that title. I think that Ronda could return tomorrow night. And if she does, she's likely going to win it. And I think we are going to see Becky versus Ronda for Ronda mm-hmm. to reclaim her title from Becky right at WrestleMania. But I also think that we'd be fine without her. I don't. I don't think they need Ronda. I think oh, she no. adds something to it. But the women's division is so deep, and when Ronda was around, that women's division did not get surfaced nearly as much as what we've seen from getting multi-tiered feuds. We got we got women tag teams on SmackDown being featured week over week. Um, Fire and Desire, right? That we did not get to see when Ronda Rousey was around, and she was the focus of everybody's attention. I think Becky Lynch so so much benefited from working with ronda and once ronda was gone uh that hurt becky it no, the, doesn't mean doesn't the mean that becky didn't have star power of working with ronda ronda whether people hate her or dislike her and i wasn't even really bullish on her coming to wwe but her star power made a real difference in feuding with becky well, becky was never a bigger star than when she was feuding with Ronda. And I think it's been hard trying to get Becky back up to that level because they just aren't going to have anyone with that kind of level of star power. But the way they screwed up is they put her, they paired her with Seth yep. and they did that match against Lacey and Baron. That's what killed Becky's momentum. This In stuff per- she's been doing with Oscar has been great. And her, listen, the last month of Becky and Oscar ha- have made that raw women's division feel bigger than it's felt in a year. If you remember going down the stretch in the WrestleMania last year, we were all kind of indifferent to the story, you had Charlotte Flair, you had Becky, you had Ronda Rousey involved, you even had Oscar there at the time. But because the story was so poorly told, it took out all of that momentum we had the January, December, and November prior to that because they just butchered it because they leaned into trying to make Ronda the focal point of everything, and she could not carry those promos the way WWE scripted them for her. So I, I know that she is an outside star, and that she brings in UFC fans or whatever. I want to see how that affects ratings. I think ratings went down the entire time Ronda Rossi was around, right? Um, so my point here, maybe some people like her, maybe they don't, but I think the writing is what held Becky Lynch back, and this stuff she's been doing with Asuka, 10 times better than what we saw last summer. 
Well, Rhonda can act. I mean, let's not forget that in the Entourage movie, she convincingly had romantic interest in Turtle. So I think it's really the writing of what they were giving her. She's on some show my wife watches now too. What is it like? Um, nine, is it one of those nine one one shows? Yeah. 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 So I think it was the promos. I don't know. It just wasn't connecting. Anyhow, we'll be back here tomorrow night. Myself, Matt Morgan, Justin, Raj. Who knows? Tune in to find out. Mystery he's third at, third man. Yes. Who's the third man? <laughs> we, we will we will see. Uh, he's at Jesse Collins. He's at the Real Wiseman. I'm at Glenn Rubenstein. Give me a follow on Twitter. I'll be tweeting along with the Royal Rumble all tomorrow night as it happens. And we'll catch you back here next time on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.